Well, today we're going to conclude our series called Christmas at the Movies. And today we're going to look at the old, old classic called It's a Wonderful Life. How many have seen that? How many see it every single year? Yeah, so many of you, amen. Oh, poor, poor George Bailey, right? I mean, I mean, he had a dream, right? I mean, he had aspirations. He, he wanted to get out of the little town of Bedford Falls and go make a, make a name for himself, right? Uh, go discover fame and fortune, but, but through no fault of his own, and because he was a good son, his life was drastically altered, and he he had to stay in Bedford Falls and run his father's faltering business. Everyday life slowly dimmed the sparkle that was in his eyes. It took away the spring that was in his step, and his dream died a slow, agonizing death. In fact, if you've seen the movie, you find that, that it got so bad that he wished that he had never been born, and he got his wish. And it was only then that he discovered that his life wasn't all that bad after all, and he wanted it back. No, his life had not turned out like he had hoped it would, like he had planned that it would. No, his life didn't look anything like he had thought it would, like he had dreamed. But he had a wife, he had children, he had a business, he had friends, and on and on and on it goes. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We often don't appreciate what we have until we no longer have it. We don't understand how good our lives are until they are no longer that way. George discovered that he actually already had a wonderful life. Well, I believe that God wants us to have a wonderful life too. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God's will is for us to have a life void of struggle. See, see, it's the struggle that turns a caterpillar into a butterfly. I'm not saying that God wants us to have a trouble-free, problem-free life. Not saying that we will all be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That we will all be rich and famous and on and on and on and on. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that God has planned a wonderful life for you. But it's up to you to follow his plan. And his definition of wonderful might differ from your definition. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse number 10, in the amplified version, one of my life verses. Jesus said, he said, I came that they might have, but not just have, but and enjoy life. Have it in abundance. Have it to the full. Have it until it overflows. Wow, now that's a wonderful life. As I was praying and meditating on our subject today, I asked myself what the key ingredients of a wonderful life would be. What what would be needed uh, if we were indeed to enjoy a wonderful life? 
What would it take for us to experience that kind of life? And I came up with four things. Came up with four things. And I want to share those four things with you today. First of all, it is possible to have a wonderful life, number one, if you have someone to love and someone who loves you. Yeah, in order for us to have a wonderful life, it will require someone to love and someone to love us. See, every person alive has an insatiable desire to love and be loved. And we desire love in in every, in every direction. We, we, we crave love from our parents, from our siblings, from our friends, from a spouse. And the truth of the matter is sometimes we get love from every direction and sometimes we don't. But the good news is our, our greatest desire for love is, is love from our creator, God himself. And we may or may not recognize it, but there is a God-shaped hole in every single heart. And no one or no thing can fill up that void in our life, that God-shaped hole in our life. Nothing can fill that void and fill that hole besides God himself. But the good news is he loves us. I said he loves us. And he wants to reveal that love to us. Oh, the golden text of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God so what? God so loved the world. Oh, that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish but could have eternal life. Friend, this is what Christmas is all about. Yeah, this is what Christmas is all about. God fleshing out his love through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. In order to have a wonderful life, it will require having someone to love and someone who loves you. And you may or may not have that in human form, but you can have it in the form of the God-man, Jesus Christ. I want to share three things about God's love this morning. First of all, it's an unconditional love. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God showed his great love for us. How? By sending Christ to die for us. Watch this, watch this. While we were yet sinners. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that he, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he, when he raised Christ from the dead. Verse 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believe and you cannot take credit for it. It is a gift of God. Salvation, it says, is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. God's love is an unconditional love, but not only is it an unconditional love, but also it is, it is an unequaled love. John 15 and 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. See, the fact of the matter is no one can love us like Jesus does. No one loves like Jesus. And no one has ever paid a higher price to prove their love than Jesus did. 
But not only is God's love an unconditional love, not only is God's love an unequal love, but it is also, it is also an unceasing love. Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I wonder what everlasting means. <laughs> it means everlasting. <laughs> it means love without end. It means unceasing. Oh, oh, hear me this morning. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life if you have someone to love and someone who loves you. Second ingredient I think we'll have to have in order to have a wonderful life, and that'd be number two, and that is it's a wonderful life if you have some place to fit in. Yeah, in order to have a wonderful life, we're going to, we're going to need a place, some place to fit in. Here's the deal. We don't fit every place. We don't fit every place, but we do fit some place. Right? And God has a place for all of us. First of all, you have a people you connect with. You have a people you connect with. See, you're not going to connect with every person. Not, not going to connect with every person, but God has picked out a people for you. And let me help you out this morning. If, if you're trying to build some relationship and, and you just feel out of place, it, it just feels weird. It, it feels strange. It, it just feels out of place. You feel like that, that you're a square peg trying to fit into a round hole and you have consistently been rejected. That's a good sign. These are not your people. I said, that's a good sign that these are not your people. But hear me, just because they are not your people, that doesn't mean that you don't have a people. And I would encourage you today to keep searching until you find your people. And ask God to direct you to your people. You know, in a church this size, we have all kinds of people. We have all types of people that attend the Grace Place. And let me tell you that you're not going to connect with all of them. In fact, we have a whole other church. You don't even know most of them because they're second service. You never see them. There are people in second service don't even know you exist. We have all kinds and all types of people and lots of people, and you're not going to connect with all of them, but you can connect with some of them. And the truth is, you don't have time for a relationship with a thousand people. You say a thousand people? Yeah, there's a thousand people that say they come to the Grace Place. Some come every Sunday, some come twice a year. But there's a thousand people that are in some way connected to the grace place. If somebody asked them their home church, they would say the grace place. And you just don't have time to connect with a thousand people, right? So let me encourage you to find your people and connect with your people. Now let me be, let me be uh, clear here. Be polite, be kind, be Christ-like to all of our people, please. But listen, friend, you are living in, in fairyland and setting unrealistic expectations if you think you're going to connect with everyone. You won't connect with everyone, but you will connect with someone. 
And let me just get a little bit practical here this morning. You, you, you won't make a connection without some effort of your own. I remember when I was pastoring in another city and I, I followed up on a, on a family that came to church on Sunday and on Monday night I was in their home and they said to me, pastor, we'll never be back to your church because you got an unfriendly church. Well, they already told me they weren't coming back, so I had nothing to lose. All right. <laughs> and I am a bulldog, right? And that just irritated me and I wasn't ugly, but I was very straightforward. And I said, what are you talking about? Back in, the, back in the day, you know, remember when the preachers had their throne up here and they sat on the throne? Remember those thrones? Pulpit chairs looked like a throne. Well, I had one of them thrones back in the day. And I, was sit, and I would sit on that throne. I could see everything that happened before, during, and after church sitting on, my, on that throne. And I just so happened to notice this family came in late. And as soon as I said, bow your heads and close your eyes, they made a beeline for, to leave. And so I told these people, I said, what are you talking about? I have an unfriendly church. I happen to know I do have a friendly church, but I also know that how in the world would you even know that? I said, because I saw you come in 10 minutes after church already started. And when I started my altar call, you left. Where were my people supposed to be friendly to you while I was preaching? They were to interrupt me and go... Listen, you're not going to make a connection without some effort of your own. Talk to people. Get in a C group. Yes. Don't complain that nobody talks to you if you're not talking to anybody. Put yourself out there, make an effort. And, and let me say this this morning, those of us who are connected, let's try to connect with people who are not connected. All right, am I still doing okay? Hey, listen, even the two greatest apostles ever had their own specific people. Paul and Peter, they were great. They were the greatest, perhaps the greatest apostles ever. And they loved everybody. But Paul had his people and Peter had his people. Paul's people were the Gentiles and Peter's people were the Jews. Galatians chapter two and verse eight says the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles. So in order to have a wonderful life, we will need some, we will need some place to fit in. And that will include two things. First of all, it will include a people that you connect with. And I tell you that friend that God has a people for you to connect with. But not only a people to connect with, but it'll also require a purpose to fulfill. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8 seems like it's been my common theme for a while, but here it is again. I know the Lord had me put this in here. So Romans 12, verses 6 through 8 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Say different gifts. Does everybody have the same gift? No, he's given different gifts for doing certain things well. For, for doing what? Certain things. Certain thing, all things? Certain. Am I supposed to be good at everything? 
No, I'm good at some things. And there are things, and you know what? You're, you're soon to find that out. For the last 20 years, you've seen God use me in my gifts, talents, and abilities. But now God is making a transition, and God's bringing in some new people that have different gifts, different talents, different abilities. They won't do what I did well. I don't do what they do well. It's all called balance, and God uses it all to work out his will in our lives. So we all have been given different gifts for different purposes. Back to Romans 12. It says, so if God has given you the gift of prophecy, (laughs) Paul says, then prophesy. I mean, you got the gift of prophecy. Doesn't mean you have the gift of singing. You need to prophesy, probably not sing. (laughs) Paul says, if your gift is serving, you probably not, should not be delivering the, ser- the sermon on Sunday morning. Serve. Yeah, right. Right. If, you're, if your gift, Paul says, is teaching, then you ought, to, you ought to teach. If your gift is encouragement, oh, thank God for the encouragers, then you ought to encourage. If your gift is giving, then you should be giving. If it's leadership, you ought to be leading. If it's kindness, then you ought to be showing kindness. Yeah, listen, it's a wonderful life if we understand our purpose and then we pursue the fulfillment of that God-called purpose. You say, well, pastor, how do I find my purpose? Are you kidding? I've told you a thousand times. Don't you know yet? But I also know there's people this morning that have never heard this, so I'm going to go through it one more time. Pastor, how do I find my purpose? Well, let let me ask you these questions. Your answer to these questions will help you Find out what your purpose in life is. Here's the questions. What do you do well? How many think God is going to use us in an area that we're good at? What do you do well? What do you excel at? You don't just do good. You do great. I mean, you just excel. What comes easy for you? Everybody else is struggling with it, but man, it's easy. What comes easy for you? Here's a real good one. What do other people say you're good at? Listen, you may think you're good at something, but if nobody's telling you you're good at it, you're probably not. Because <laughs> when you're good at something, somebody's going to recognize that you're good at it. Wow, you have a great voice. You ought to be on the worship team. You need to go talk to Pastor Claire, Pastor Krista. You don't know how many people I've sent over the years. I can recognize a gift. Ask yourself, what do other people say I'm good at? Ask yourself this question, what brings you fulfillment? What is it when you do that it brings fulfillment? Makes you feel good, makes you fulfilled, makes you feel worthwhile, like you're worth something. What are you passionate about? I mean, you'd do it even if you didn't get paid for it. You want to get paid for it, but even if you didn't, you'd find, you know, you'd do it. You know? People have been paying me for 50 years to preach. I don't know, 10 years from now, I might have to pay people to let me preach. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to preach till I die. What are you passionate about? What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What makes you angry? Yeah, the answers to these questions will help you find your purpose. Now, let me tell you something that you don't know. 
And that is you are probably already living in your purpose. You are probably already fulfilling your purpose, whether you realize it or not, because you have probably answered, you have probably already answered these questions through the decisions you have made in your life. Does that make sense? It's a wonderful life. If you have someone to love and someone who loves you, it's a wonderful life if you have some place to fit in. And number three, it's a wonderful life if you have some understanding of life. See, one of the reasons why some people don't have a wonderful life, in fact, they might have a very miserable life, is because they approach life with unrealistic expectations. They think that the storybook life is the norm. They think that Hallmark movies portray true life. (laughs) That people's Facebook lives are their real lives. No, it's their highlight reel. It's the best of the best. And thank God for filters, right? (laughs) Wow. Take 10, 15, 20 years off your life. (laughs) Write this down this morning. Things are not always as they appear to be on the surface. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 12, verse 9, it calls the devil the deceiver. The Bible also calls the devil a liar. See, a lot of people, even some Christians, are unhappy and totally unfulfilled because they listen to Satan's lies and they are tricked by his deception. He points at what other people have or the position they hold or the attention they receive or or the, the success that they seem to be having. And he says, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why don't you have what they have? Why don't you hold a position like they hold? Oh, everything is right in their world and everything wrong in yours. But things are not always as they appear to be on the surface. See, some people who appear to be prospering financially, the truth is, really, they're just in debt to their eyeballs. Some people who appear to have a a good marriage and a loving family are actually only playing a part while they're in public. But once they walk through the door of their house and close the door behind them, things are drastically different. Understand this about life, and that is things are not always as they appear to be on the surface. And here's something else that you need to consider this morning, and that is a proper accounting of life's assets will include both addition and subtraction. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Jesus said, life is not measured by by how much you own. See, sometimes we look at what somebody else has and we think, wow, wow, they sure own a lot of stuff. But sometimes it's not that they own a lot of stuff, but that all of their stuff owns them. And it will not be a wonderful life if your accounting of assets does not include not only addition, but also subtraction. 
Let me ask you this morning, how much is a happy marriage worth? How much is, is well-adjusted and healthy children? How much is that worth? Let me ask you this morning, what value do you place on peace of mind or the absence of drama? I remember years ago hearing my father tell about a family member in his family that was wealthy. And I always envied them as a kid. They were wealthy, man. Compared to us, they were wealthy. And I'll never forget my dad telling the story of talking to this family member. This family member said, Bob, I can't sleep at night. I'm up walking the floor worrying about this, that, something else. Is this thing going to come in on time? Is this going to finish right? Is this going to... Things are not always as they appear to be. Let me ask you this this morning. How much is a good reputation and respect and admiration from, from friends and family worth? And most of all this morning, how do you place a price tag on your salvation? When you know that you know that you know that you know that your salvation is secure and heaven is going to be your forever home. How do you, how do you value that? How do you put a price tag on that? It's a wonderful life when you have a clear understanding of life. Hear me this morning. Your net worth should not only be measured by the positives that are in it, but also by the negatives that aren't. And finally this morning, it's a wonderful life. If you have something to look forward to. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 says, We can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope is a wonderful thing. To believe that tomorrow can be better than today. One man said that his favorite scripture was, and it came to pass. He said, thank God it didn't come to stay. Are you struggling today? Tomorrow the struggle could be over. Are you waiting for God to fulfill a promise that he made to you? Oh, oh, it could be fulfilled tomorrow. That door that you have been waiting to open, it just might open for you Tomorrow, that person that you have been waiting to walk into your life, tomorrow, tomorrow just might be the day. Oh, as the people of God, we always have hope. It's a wonderful life if you have something to look forward to. Let me quickly ask you two very practical questions this morning. The first one is this. Have you developed a plan for your future? A plan for your future. Psalm 20 verse 4 says, May the Lord grant you your heart's desire and make all your plans succeed. Read the Bible, friend. God is a planner. He's a planner. He, He didn't just make things up on the fly. He didn't just make things up as he went. He had, and he still has, a master plan. The Bible says before the foundation of the world. Let me ask you this morning, do you, have you developed a plan for your future? Second question is this, does your plan include preparation for eternity? 
Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Matthew 1 verse 20 and 21 says, the angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child that is within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus said, no one gets to the Father unless they come through me. It's a wonderful life this morning, but only if you have something to look forward to. And especially where eternity is concerned. Oh, this morning, have you made any plans for your future? Have you made preparation for your eternal future? It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. At least it can be. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. It can only be a wonderful life if we make Jesus the center of it. Father, I thank you today that you loved us so much that you gave us Christmas. You gave us the greatest gift that has ever been given in the gift of your very own son, Jesus. And I thank you that you have a life planned for us. You came that we might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance, have it under the full, have it until it's absolutely overflowing. That wonderful life Oh, not problem-free, not, not tear-free, none of those things. But yet, yet you have provided all that we need to have a good life. To have life and to have it more abundantly.